time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. All right. Happy Monday to you and welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Wanted to tell you real quickly, um, coming off an incredible speaking season and uh, book tour for my new book, Uncovering the Secret to Bible Prophecy and have received an amazing response. The book is selling out everywhere I go. And so I want you to have a copy of it. It's, you can get the copy of the book at uh, on Amazon or you can um, Barnes & Noble or wherever books are sold. All right. So Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy. And, and some of the things that I'm talking about uh, in this series on fake news and false prophets, I cover in the book. Of course, I go into more, more detail uh, in the book. And there's so many other things. Uh, about this incredible little book that I want you to uh, to grasp and to engage in and to learn biblical discernment and how to recognize uh, the false teaching of the day and how do you even interpret Bible prophecy? How do you recognize Bible prophecy and interpret it the way that God wants you to? How does all that work? Well, I talk about that in the book. I teach you how to go through that on your own so that you can grasp it because that's that's the end game, right? And this book really is prophecy for a new generation. It's really helping to reach uh, down, if you will, to the next generation to help them be able to grasp what 28% of the Bible is all about. And it's very important specifically because we live, we are living in the last days. There's no doubt about it that we're living in the last days. So anyway, I want you to know about that. And uh, also let you know, I'm going to be uh, beginning a new series here uh, in a few few podcasts from now uh, called is America in Bible prophecy? Now, what does the Bible say about the United States of America? If anything, uh, there are some who believe America is definitely mentioned in the Scripture, and so we're going to uncover that. We're going to unpack all of that in a new series called uh, "Is America in Bible Prophecy." But for now, uh, we're in uh, part three of our series: fake news and false prophets in an age of apostasy, or or in the last days, uh, I should say, and. Uh, I want to talk about today about just the fact that, um, you know, in Acts chapter two, the church began the, the, you know, the church wasn't always around. Israel was not the church. Israel was a nation, a race of people in a covenant nation that, that, uh, God had issued into this, this relationship with, but the church didn't come about until Acts chapter two. And when on, on Pentecost when the Holy spirit came and, and Jesus had prophesied this, that this would happen. And so anyway, they were in Jerusalem and the church began in Jerusalem. But as the church began to spread, as the folks who had gathered at that huge festival there, Pentecost, uh, from all over uh, the known world at that time, from, from the Jewish known world at that time, they, they took the gospel back to their regions, back to their countries, back to their areas, because they had become saved <laughs> during uh uh, Peter's preaching over 3,000 people got saved one one time. So pretty good, um, pretty good uh, service, uh, church service there that day. Anyway, whole point is that it didn't take long after Acts chapter 2 when the church began for lies and false teaching to begin to infiltrate the Christian community. Now, listen, today we are eaten up with false ideas about God and false ideas about the Bible um, unfounded speculations about the end times. There are incredibly uh, dissonant views concerning 
uh, the purpose of the church and what she should be doing out there in the world, and just the whole message that we're getting from so many authors and preachers and celebrity pastors and those type of people that are so incredibly off target. And that's with living in an age where we have more access to biblical truth and to the Bible than at any time in human history, okay? We are flooded with information. It's, it's everywhere about the Bible and the Word of God is so accessible. But think about this. In the early church, they did not have that kind of access. The early church did not carry Bibles around with them because, uh, newsflash, the New Testament had not been written yet, okay? And so the, the New Testament authors began writing around 50 A.D., compiling these things in the Gospels. And we believe Mark was the first Gospel actually to be written. But all that to say is that the Scripture hadn't been put together yet. So the churches were begun, and elders and pastors were appointed in those churches, and they were basically the verbal representatives of the Word of God. And, you know, some of these people, obviously, many of them in the beginning were Jews, and, and they had been raised in the Old Testament story. So they, they knew the Old Testament, but they didn't know everything about Jesus. They didn't know, some of these people didn't know the story of Jesus because they didn't grow up in Jerusalem and Judea and, you know, the, the area in Galilee where Christ was. So they didn't know about Jesus. So they just knew the, the Messiah had come. So as the apostles began to disseminate this information to the churches, there were others who, who, would came, who came in with their own ideas about what the truth is. And don't we have the same thing going on today where someone will declare plainly what the Bible says and then someone will say, yeah, but you know what, that's, that's old. And, you know, how do we even know that that's even what they said? And so really, let's just kind of, let's kind of go with the flow now and kind of play it by ear and kind of see how that works out. And, and so people uh, infiltrate the church, but they were doing it back then. And in fact, um, Paul said to the Thessalonians that there were people that were claiming to have a word from God or from Paul. You know, where Paul said this or God said this or I got a vision or whatever. And those things, as we talked about earlier, are difficult to dispute unless you know the word of God. You see, there has to be a written standard, okay? If there's no written standard, an objective standard that never changes, then guess what? Then you have nothing by which to measure it. And so it'd be like, you know, uh, playing a football game and all of a sudden someone says, well, I, I went 10 yards. I'm going to declare myself as being in the end zone, even though you're still on the 40-yard line. I'm going to declare myself because that's the new truth in football to me is that the 40-yard line is uh, – the end zone, or whenever I just feel like the end zone, it is the end zone. And so think about the chaos that would that would present in a game. Or let's say for uh, getting a paycheck at work. Uh, what if you, you know, your weekly salary was, you know, $500 or whatever, and your boss suddenly decided, you know what, I think $500, um, we're going to make that $200 instead. Because 40 hours of work, and we're just going to make that equal to 200 just arbitrarily or he just does the math wrong because he wants to and wants to make you know a buck off you or whatever you can't just change the rules 
you can't just make up stuff as you go. There has to be a standard. If someone is measuring something, someone's saying, well, we're going to make this doorway uh, seven feet tall. We're going to measure it by feet. And someone says, well, I think a foot is this long instead of 12 inches. I, I think a foot is seven inches long. Well, you, you know, think about that. Everything changes. So the same is true in the spiritual world as it is in the physical world. If you start changing absolute standards like that, then nobody knows anything and it becomes complete chaos. Well, that's what happens in the church and that's what was happening in the church in the New Testament. In fact, Paul prophesied this in Acts chapter 20 uh, when he told the Ephesian elders to be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Uh, And he said, because after my departure, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. And he says, that's why, that's why, if you remember, Paul says in verse 31 of Acts 20, for a period of three years, I didn't cease to admonish each one of you with tears. What's that admonish thing? It wasn't like Paul just expressing emotion to them. It was, it was Paul teaching them the truth about God because he had been taught personally by Christ himself. That's what that word admonish means. He was admonishing in the scripture, in the context here. He says, um, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, you say, well, what's the point of that? Well, the point of that is that Paul knew this was coming. He knew that people would come into the church and would basically undo what he had done. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, like when a president or a governor comes into office and they begin undoing what the previous president or governor did. Well, for good or for bad, that happens, right? But in the church, uh, it's it can be good or for bad too. But it, but you can't change the word of God. I mean, sometimes you have a you know a really rotten administration, a pastoral administration. You need to make some changes and get to, get them back to the Bible. But Paul says the opposite was going to happen, and it did. So so what do these wolves do, um, and, and how did New Testament churches fall under the attack of false teaching? You know how did how did that happen? Well. These guys were like foxes in the hen house. You know, they came in and they just began to ravage people's minds with fake news because they were false prophets. Say, Jeff, how do we know that? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. How about beginning in the Roman church? Because the book of Romans starts right after uh, Acts, right, in your Bible. Well, Paul warned the Romans to keep their eyes on those who would cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the apostolic teaching that he had given them. Now, now you say, wait a minute. So what does that mean? Well, the word hindrance here, when he says there are going to be those who cause hindrances, is a word that, that means a snare or a trap. It's the same, it's the, when you transliterate it from the Greek, it's the word, we get our word scandal from. So Paul is saying, watch out for scandalous people who set these, traps these these lie traps or truth traps where you think it's the truth you put your foot in it and you find out it's a lie or maybe you don't you just get deceived by it he says watch out for those scandalous people and so he counseled the believers to turn away from these kinds of men because he says with their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting and sometimes i'll see a video of a certain person and they're preaching to a very large crowd 
And the things that are coming out of that person's mouth tells me that that crowd is a part of the unsuspecting. In other words, they do not possess the discernment to be able to, in their minds, call out that person and with their bodies get up and walk out. They don't have that. You know why? Because of the charisma of the celebrity on stage. And Paul says that was that's happening in the Roman church. How about the Corinthian church? Well, the Corinthian church, like many other churches in the New Testament, was plagued by what we call or what Paul calls the Judaizers. And they say, what, what are the Judaizers? Well, the Judaizers were Jewish people who were familiar with the Christian faith, but also promoted salvation as not just salvation by grace, by faith through grace alone, but as a partnership of faith plus obedience to the Old Testament law. In other words, you can have faith in Jesus all you want. Have big faith in Jesus. We don't care. But make sure that you do these Old Testament requirements. And if you do that, you'll be saved. And the reason they did that was because they were still perceiving, uh, number one, Christianity as a threat to their old Jewish ways. And secondly, they were not willing to accept the simplicity of the New Testament, the new covenant of the new arrangement or new agreement that God had with mankind, which was have faith in my son, what he did on the cross, the end. That's it. Trust in that. And that message was so simple, it angered them. You know, I've come in contact with a lot of people, a lot of Christians in my life, a lot of people who think they're Christians, who when you start talking about grace and the simplicity of having faith in Jesus, they just, they go into tilt mode. I mean, they overheat because they can't stand it when someone just says all you need to be saved is simply to put your faith in Jesus Christ. But no, 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 you got to do this too, and this, and this, and this. And Paul says, nope, no, that's not how it is. That's not how this thing is done. And so these Judaizers were very upset that the new Christians, these new Jewish Christians in many cases, were not clinging to the Jewish laws and traditions. And Paul was saying, that is the old covenant. That's the old money. We don't, we don't, we don't trade that money. That's Confederate money. We don't use that anymore, okay? We use the new money, okay? So th these Judaizers were seeking to discredit Paul because obviously Paul was not uh, taking that approach they were taking. He, they attacked his ministry in the Corinthian church. They attacked his message, his character, and even his motivations. So it's not like they were just saying, uh, hey, Paul, um, we don't like the way you do your ministry, so we're going to preach against that. We don't like your message, so we're going to preach against that. Then we're going to tell people about your character. We're going to go personal on you. And then, as if they could do this, they're going to tell people what Paul's motivations were, as if they could see inside his heart. So that sort of character assassination, uh, by the way, as you well know, is still a favorite tool of the devil today. So Paul ends up, you know, his patience has run out. He's heard about what these false teachers are doing, how they're untying the knots that he tied, they're undoing the ministry and they're taking brick by brick out of the foundation that Paul had laid in his ministry with the Corinthian church. And, and you know what he said to him? He says, he says, I'm going to expose these guys as quote, false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Paul's like, you know what? It, these guys are just doing Halloween. 
and they're dressing up like apostles of Christ. They're not really apostles. They didn't see the risen Christ. They weren't commissioned by him like we were. They're false apostles. And then he just, he totally drops the hammer on them. Then he says, these guys are basically servants of Satan. Not only are they not apostles, they're not even Christians. And he says in chapter 11 of Corinthians, he says, just as Satan himself disguises uh, as an angel of light, his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So Paul's just calling them, you guys are sons of the devil, and you're acting just like your father because you have the same nature that he does, that same deceptive, ego-driven nature that your father has, he says. And what does this tell us? It tells us that Paul was very, very passionate about the purity and integrity of the gospel and the word of God. Now, say, Jeff, that was, you know, 2,000 years ago. Yeah, it was. What, what God did through, through men like Paul was he established a standard. And if we deviate from that standard today, we will cease to be the church. Does that make sense? So you can't just make up stuff. And you can't just get new interpretations of things. God meant what he said when he gave us the word of God. So Paul didn't care whose feelings he was hurting as long as the faith was maintained. Because in the end, it's really not about you know, whether or not he hurt someone's feelings. In fact, he, he really wasn't even concerned about reaching those people. I'll be honest with you. These people were so evil. Paul wasn't like, now we need to have a consortium and let's have a conversation about it. And let's talk about it. No, Paul's response was, you have misled people, you've led the sheep astray, you've done damage to the body of Christ, and he says, you're servants of Satan, get out. That was Paul's basic, basic message. Uh, how about the Galatian church? I mean, gosh, there's so much we could say on this, but he, he reserved his most scorching condemnation for the Galatian Judaizers. And there's so much you can read about in chapter 5 especially, but it says, listen, adding anything to Christ's finished work on the cross, anything, Paul says, is a different gospel. He says in chapter 1, it's a different gospel, and it's a distortion of God's truth. And he says, anybody who does this is accursed. And that word means to be damned eternally. You think God takes this seriously? You think we ought to take it seriously if God says if you add anything to the gospel, you are damned eternally? You cannot be saved if you trust in anything other than Jesus Christ. That's a central message of the New Testament. He says even, even if an angel from heaven comes down and he teaches you something different that is in the Bible. So if you see a vision of an angel and it contradicts anything in the Bible, adds anything to the Bible, that's a damnable heresy. That's a damning doctrine is what that is. And Paul calls these people false brethren, false brethren. And friend, listen, they're alive and well in the church today. And you know why? Because the average Christian is not studying his or her Bible enough to know the difference not just between right and wrong, the difference between right and almost right. Did you get that? 
there's a whole lot of almost right out there in the church today. And part of what we're doing right now, we're going to finish this thing next time. But recognizing these fake news and false prophets helps us understand the times in which we live and how to live in light of those times. Hey, listen, I'll see you on Friday. Hope you have a great week. God bless you and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.